0: Well, good morning. Welcome. It's good to see you. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor, I am not the senior pastor. My name is Brian Clayberg. I serve on staff as uh, the worship pastor that's over the modern services. And uh, this morning, I have a, the privilege and the honor of leading us in a different facet of worship through the preaching and the teaching of the word. Uh, I always look forward to this. I'm extremely humbled by it. Uh, I do take it very seriously and, and look forward to any chance that I get uh, to do that. And I got the call today. And so, uh, so thanks for being here, and especially to our guests. Again, we, we want to get to know you and get you connected to the church and answer any questions that you might have. So let us know what we can do for you. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just going to be looking at the first three verses if we talk about this uh, let us run idea that we see in Hebrews 12. So without further ado, it's going to be on the screens if, uh, if you're reading along. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... I know that this is a probably a familiar passage for, for many of you, but in this passage we see that the Christian life, the life that we're supposed to live out as believers, is sort of likened or illustrated by a race that we're running. I, I would imagine in a church our size, there are probably a lot of uh, runners in here. You enjoy running, you're a runner, or as I like to call you, a big weirdo, <laughs> um, because I don't understand that, but, uh, but maybe you do, and that's your thing, you, that's your jam, you like to run. To me, that makes no sense, just to run for the sake of running. Now, I love sports, and if you ask me to come play a sport with you, if it involves a ball and a goal, I'm your guy. I'll come play any sport with you. It doesn't matter how weird it is. You wanna play badminton? I'll play it. You wanna play croquet? I'm a croquet master, okay? But if you ask me to go on a run, I'm probably gonna ask you why. Why are we running? Are we running to the place where we're gonna have fun? I don't understand. Because running to me is not fun. Uh, It makes no sense. And I think to the majority of sane people, it makes no sense as well. That's why, have you noticed, they have to try to make running more exciting. They have to make it more appealing to people. That's why you can't just go run a race anymore. So now they have all these themed races, right? Because nobody wants to run just for the sake of running. So uh, it's February, so maybe this month you could do the, the Cupid 5K. Seen that one? Come be miserable with your spouse. It's great. <laughs> Come run the QB or they have all these costume races too. I mean if you go to Disneyland or Disney World, you can you can run the princess race where everybody dresses up like a princess. And I mean everybody dresses up like a princess. And they go run this race in their gown and their outfit or whatever. You can do the Star Wars run, you can dress up like Chewbacca and sweat it out. That's great. I'm not joking you. They, I, I, I read this this week. They have, in North Carolina, a race called the Krispy Kreme Challenge. And you can go run this race. And at any point, if you get tired, uh, you can take a break and enjoy a couple donuts. <laughs> so seems like we're, I don't know what we're doing. Um, they have, uh, they have the, the color run. You've seen this one. Some of you probably ran this. I, Okay, that's you. Um, But they're like, people aren't just going to come run. we got to spruce this up somehow. So, hey, you dress all in white, and then you run. And while you're running, we're going to chase after you and throw a bunch of stuff on you. Uh, All this powdered color that's going to explode all over you. It's going to get all in your hair. It's going to get in your eyes. You're going to breathe in this powdery substance. You're not going to be able to see or or breathe, but you're going to have a good time. And then for some people, they even take it too far. Like, have you heard of the Spartan race? Or the tough mutter, Man, it's like running isn't enough for me. <laughs> I want to run a little bit, and then I want there to be a giant wall in front of me that I have to climb, scale to the top, and jump off to my death. And then I want to just, you know, I want to wade through some muddy water in a live minefield under some razor wire that electrocutes me if I touch it. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> so they have to do this with all these races, with all these runs, because nobody wants to just run for the sake of running. So they have to make them more appealing to people. And here in Hebrews chapter 12 and in other places in the New Testament also, we're told that the life that we're to live out as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is like a race that we run. It's like a race that we run. And so what I want to do is I want to just kind of look over this passage just kind of line by line and just point out a couple things and look at a few things and ask ourselves a few questions. And so here it begins back in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So a little context before we jump in any further. uh, The book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews, was written by an unknown author. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Hebrews. Uh, there's a lot of debate over the years, was it Paul, was it Apollos, it doesn't matter. The content is what matters. And we know that, uh, that, that there's a certain audience that the writer of Hebrews is trying to get to, these Hebrew Jewish believers, uh, many of whom, there were some in that audience that they, they were believers, and then there were some that uh, they were committed intellectually, but not committed emotionally emotionally. Like they believed intellectually, but they weren't fully invested into it. They hadn't committed with their whole life. And then there were even some in the crowd that were non-believers. And kind of the point and the main issue of the letter to the Hebrews is this plea. This plea to see that Jesus, that faith in Jesus alone is far better than their old way of religion. That's what he's going after. And so we come to chapter, one, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, therefore, and anytime you get to the word therefore, it's usually to point you back to something, and in this case, it's pointing us back to chapter 11. This is just a continuation of thought from chapter 11, and in chapter 11, what we see is this, this long list of all of these Old Testament saints who lived by great faith. It's, called, it's, it's been come to known as the, the, the hall of faith in chapter 11. It's where we read about the faith of Abel. And and by faith, Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and on and on, all the way through the prophets, all of these Old Testament saints who lived by great faith. And we also see what their faith was able to accomplish. We see that their faith was so strong that they opposed Pharaoh. They, They walked through the Red Sea. They passed through uh, and they shouted down the walls of Jericho. They quenched the power of fire. They shut the mouths of lions. They conquered kingdoms all by their faith and this great faith that they had. And so it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and the author is telling us that we have this amazing legacy of faith that we can look back on to gain motivation, and here's the first thing, and this is why this is important, because the faith of the believers that have come before us should motivate us in our race. It should motivate us. It should be a motivation to us, not only to look back in the Old Testament and, and the New Testament, but even think about just all of church history. I mean, you could think about the, the, the early church fathers who paved the way for us as the church. Uh, you could think about um, the reformers who got us back to scripture as being the focus of our attention. You can think back to all the missionaries who have spread the gospel all throughout the world under great persecution. Even in our own lives, people that have come before us, maybe a godly parent or a grandparent, maybe a church leader or a pastor, maybe a church planter, Someone who has motivated you, someone who has come alongside you, someone who you look at and you gain motivation from. And that's the, the idea here, that we gain motivation from people who have run a race well that have come before us. It says this, this idea of we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, I think our natural inclination is to think of that as like in a big arena, and, and that we're down on the track, and we're running our race, and up in the stands are all these Old Testament saints, and everyone whose his, his race is finished, they're up there kind of applauding us along. And I just got to just point out that that is not really a scriptural idea. And I get it. I understand this idea that people who've gone before us, we, we want to view them as, as somehow looking down on us, cheering us along. And that's just not a biblical idea. I get that we want that idea. I get that that would be a good thing for us, but it really wouldn't be a good thing for them. It wouldn't be. Because they're in the glory of Christ. If they're in Christ, they're in heaven. They're in the presence of God. They're not concerned with what's happening on, here on earth, nor should they be. I, I, don't, I don't think we want all of those people looking down on us, stumbling our way through life. That wouldn't be the fullness of heaven for them. I think of my own mother who's passed away. I don't want want her watching me stumble through life. I want her enjoying Christ in his presence. And so when it says we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, it's what we see in them, not what they see in us that's the important thing. And what we see in them is this faith that they had that moved mountains. This faith that gives us a great motivation, this race that they ran and they ran so well and it's simply our turn to run. It's our race now. And it's important that we leave now a legacy of faith. I was reading in the book uh, called The Great Dechurching. It's by Jim Davis and Michael Graham where they portray the landscape of cultural shifts that have shaken American Christianity in the last couple of decades. And here's what they say. More people have left the church in the last 25 years than all of the people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined. They're estimating that over the last 25 years, somewhere around 40 million Americans have left the church. And I would contest and I would contend that much of that has to do with the fact that the generations that are coming behind us cannot look at us in the races that we're running and see a motivation for them to run theirs. There is too much at stake for us not to run our race well. We need to leave a legacy of faith. Some of you are in this building, in this church today because of a legacy of faith. You may not know, know that or understand that. Many of you were a part of it, but I, I got to preach to the, the early service, the traditional service. And all. I just look out over that congregation and I see faithfulness to get us even to this place where we're in this building. And many of you were a part of that. And I think about phase two coming up and how just think about over the decades and decades, the ministry that's going to take place in this place because of a legacy of faith, because people who had a vision and made that vision happen. This is why it's important for us to leave a legacy of faith. I think about my own children, who, man, they they live with me, they see it all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I just, my prayer is, will they look at my life, and will they see a race that I'm running, and will they see me running well, and will it inspire them to run theirs? Because here's what I want you to see. Will the the way you run your race inspire others to run theirs? We have to leave a legacy of faith so that the generations that are coming behind us can see that as an example and a motivation to run theirs. There's too much at stake. And it says, therefore, let's go on. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, then it goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now leave that up for a second, because here's what I want you to see about that verse. I want you to notice the difference between everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, because those two things are separate. And I think if we were to read this and maybe breeze over it, we might put those things in the same category. We might think that the the things that hinder us are the sins, but here it's the distinction. It says, and. So there are two separate things. Now the word that's used here for hinders, and and some translations use encumbrances, some translations use the word weights, but the word here uh, means a mass of something, a, a, a bulk of something. And here's the thing that you need to see from this. It's not necessarily something bad in and of itself. It might be uh, something completely innocent and harmless, but it's still weighing you down. Maybe it diverts too much of your attention. Maybe it, caught, it, it, it desires too much of your energy Maybe too much of your focus is spent on this thing, even though it might be a good thing, an innocent thing, a right thing, but it's still a weight that weighs you down. Uh, it makes me think of warm-ups in, in, in sports. You've seen this before? Uh, how athletes, they'll wear warm-ups before the game, and they'll wear the warm-ups. Now, the warm-ups have a purpose. They're to keep, do you need to break a sweat? You need to get warm before you go, and they keep you warm. Their long sleeves, the long pants, they have a purpose. Uh, but when it comes time to get in the game, do they wear the warm-ups into the game? No, they don't, they shut them off. You've seen this in basketball, I love that. It's like the coach finally calls the player in, they jump off the bench, they grab the warm-up, they tear it off, and then while they're running to the box to check in, you see the pants that rip off? I love those, they like rip the pants off and they throw them behind. I thought, about, I thought about wearing those as an illustration this morning, like pastor, put me in, let's preach, you know, and like come out here. I didn't wanna freak the first service out a little bit, so I decided not to do that, um, but that's the idea. They serve a purpose. There is a point to the, the warm-ups. But they're not needed for the race and for the game. And here's what I want to contend with you, that this idea of these hindrances, as opposed to the sins, because the sins are easier to define. The hindrances aren't. And so I would contend that this is probably the more difficult thing to shut off. Because many of us come to the racetrack of our life and then we got all of this stuff All this weight, and moms, you know what I'm talking about because you usually are the ones. You got all this stuff, most of which is good and innocent and right, but does it require too much of your focus and your attention, and does it weigh you down from running your race? That's a hard one, because I got them too. That's a searching thought and a searching question, and then it goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders us, all of those weights that aren't needed, aren't necessary for the race, and the sin that so easily entangles us. Because that's what sin does. It entangles us. It trips us up. We can't be running and tripping all over the place. And that's what sin does, because sin is rooted in disbelief, you know that ultimately every sin comes down to disbelief. That's what it is. It's God, I choose my way over yours. I, I do not trust you, I do not believe you. I want this, this is what I need." And every sin can be rooted back to disbelief, but yet we are called to run a race of faith, which is the opposite of disbelief. And so disbelief in our life, sin in our life, will trip us up. It will entangle us, it will cause us to stumble. So here's what I want you to understand. Uh, it, it's not going to, if it's not going to help you run your race, it may need to be thrown off. Whether it's the hindrance, the weight, the sin, we may need to throw it off. Now, in the context of this letter of the, to the Hebrew Jews, uh, Jewish believers there, uh, one of the things that were hindrances for them is that they wanted to go back to their old way of thinking in, in their old Jewish religious system. They started their race well, They were out of the blocks with a sprint, but then they wanted to gravitate back to their old way of life. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And so what he's saying again, is a recap, is he's saying, because listen, because as believers we have an example, we have motivation from those that have come before us. Because we have an example of faith and a motivation of faith, let us throw off all the things that are unnecessary for our race and the sins that trip us up. Then it goes on to say this, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance. Perseverance is that steady determination to not give up, to keep moving forward, no matter what happens, even if you feel like you wanna slow down or you wanna give up, the need is to run with perseverance. And like I said, many of the Hebrew believers, they started their race well, but it was for them a sprint, and they began to run and run and run, and then slowly their enthusiasm started to fade, their confidence started to fade, they started to look back at their old life, at their old religious ways, and they turned back to those things, and runners don't backslide, they move forward. This is the language that the Apostle Paul uses uh, in Philippians chapter 3. He says, Not that I have already obtained it or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you hear the language that he's using there? Press on straining forward. What lies ahead, I press on, perseverance, endurance. It says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. The word used here for race is the Greek word agon. Do you know what word we get from that? Agony. (laughs) Seems fitting, right? Agony. That's what I think about when I think about running. Sheer agony. But that's the word that's used here. It's agonizing, it's straining, it's pressing, it's perseverance, it's endurance. This is why, to me, a hobby Christian makes no sense. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Like someone who maybe intellectually believes, but with their life, they're not really committed. It's just Christianity has become a hobby for them among other hobbies in their life. Like, what is that? Pick up golf. What a terrible hobby that is. Because we know that Scripture defines the race as difficult, as needing perseverance, as needing endurance, as pressing on, as straining forward. There's an importance to leaving a legacy of your race. And I'm not saying it's agonizing all the time, and there's great joy and purpose in the race. But here's the thing, if your supposed Christian life, the race that you're running is nothing more than a leisurely stroll in the park for you, something's wrong. Because that's not the imagery we see in Scripture. If there's no difficulty, if there's no fighting of sin, if there's no need for full-out trust and obedience in your life, something is wrong. This is not the race that we're called to run. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 9.24 and the Apostle Paul again uses this imagery and he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one wins? You know that, right? All the runners run, but only one's going to win. You then should run your race to win. Not just as another runner. Not just as a hobby. But be fully committed to run your race because too much is at stake and it's your turn to run. It is not a leisurely stroll in the park. It's also not a sprint. And we see this too often as well. We see people who maybe hear the gospel for the first time or they experience a community for the first time or an answer to prayer or something, and they they are out of the blocks, full sprint, which is a great thing. But what happens, just just like with these Hebrew Jewish believers, is after time, what, what happens? They begin to slow. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the sower. He says, some seed fell on the rocky ground. And it sprouted up quickly. But then soon the cares of the world and the difficulties of life choke it out because there was no true root system there. You see, the Christian race, the life that we are to run as believers, it is not a leisurely stroll in the park, but it's also not a sprint. It is a marathon. It's a marathon, which means it needs perseverance and it needs endurance. And it seems like a daunting task, but here's what I want you to see this morning. You don't have to run the race perfectly, just consistently. I think that's so crucial, especially for the generations that come up behind us. Because we're going to fail. We're going to strip up. We're going to, we're going to trip. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall on our faces time and time again. But is there going to be over the whole of your life a consistency to your race? That will be what you'll be known for. That will be what people see in you. That's where they will gain motivation and inspiration. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be consistent. Don't sprint and then burn out. But don't walk. Run with consistency and with perseverance. seems like a daunting task seemed like there's too much at stake and there is and so how do we do this how are we supposed to run this race and run it well the author of Hebrews gives us that answer verse 2 fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of faith oh here he goes he's going to get all cliche and churchy on me keep your eyes on Jesus let Jesus take the will all that kind of stuff don't let that turn you off because this is the answer It's not a catchy Christian thing. It's the answer. And we get this idea, right? You can't be running and looking behind you. My children do this all the time. It just drives me crazy. They'll be walking. Sometimes they'll be walking backwards and looking forward. (laughs) Or they'll be running and looking back. I'm like, this is always going to end in tears every time. We get this, right? You're, you can't do that. You can't, I, I coach basketball for Maseo Valley Christian School. And uh, one of the things that we're always telling the, the, the players, because this is, I, I, almost every practice this happens. They'll be dribbling the ball and they're dribbling like this. <laughs> he might even look good. They're like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. But their head is down and their, play, and their teammates over in the corner, like right under the basket, like pass me the ball. I'm right here. But they can't see him. And we're shouting from the sideline, look up. He's open. You got to look up. There has to be something, right, that we are fixing our attention and our focus on if we're going to move forward. What is that? It is Jesus. Why? Because he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer of our faith. He's the one who began the whole thing. He's the one who finishes the whole thing. He's the one who sustains us through the whole thing. Because we have this great cloud of witnesses. We have all these people we can look back even in our own lives and gain motivation, but motivation will only get us so far. We need the example, the right and perfect example, and that is Jesus Christ. And if we follow hard after him, and our gaze and our attention and our focus is on him, we will run, and we will run well. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because here's what it says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. As Jesus told us, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But you've got to take heart because I have overcome the world. You've got to keep your attention on me. You've got to keep your focus on me. I'm the example. I'm the pioneer. I'm the perfecter. I'm your sustainer. Look what I've endured. Look what I have done all for your sake. Only with our attention on Jesus will we be able to run our race well. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full into his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There is truth to that. There is meaning behind that. And I love that it says, consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And unfortunately, many of us have slowed in our race because we've lost sight of who Christ is. This happens. It's, it's, let's be real. This happens. It happens for me as well. We can be running along and we could just have all of these weights and these things that are so focused our attention on that we can lose sight of who Jesus is. Not that we disbelieve anymore, but we just lose some sight of that. And we need to realign our focus back to our Savior. And we need to consider Him. And consider what he's done for us because here's the reality. If you understand fully what Christ has done for you in spite of you, you can't help but run. That's the byproduct of a life that has been changed. I will run, I will have perseverance because you had perseverance. I will endure because you endured and you did it for me. I'm gonna do it for you. I'm gonna run my race and I'm gonna run it well. I'll stumble and I'll fall along the way, but I'll get up and I'll keep running. There's too much at stake and you're worth it. And I consider you and all you've done for me and I do it for you, Jesus. And we run our race. So where are you at in your race? Easy question. Easy question. Easy application from this scripture, I get it. Might be an easy application, but it's a hard one to wrestle with. Are you stumbling along in your journey, in your race, because of some sin in your life that you've not dealt with? Are there some weights and some unnecessary encumbrances upon your life that have drawn your focus away from the Savior that you need to keep in check? Are you leaving a legacy of faith for the generations that are coming behind you? That they might see your good works and glorify, Father. Are you in the race? Are you a follower and believer in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith and your trust in Him? And are you even in the race? And so no matter where you're at this morning, we're gonna have a time of response as we always do and I just hope that we will wrestle with some of these things I have been and I hope that that would translate to you as well. That we would think about these things. That if, especially if you're one who has not entered the race and you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And yes, I, have no, I know that I have not set this up well. I did not make the race seem very attractable to you because races aren't attractable. But they are worth it. And you ask any believer and any follower of Jesus Christ, is it worth the race? Is it worth the endurance? Is it worth the agony? And they will tell you, yes, it is, because it is full of joy and it is full of purpose. And you need to get in the race. Some of us will be here in a moment as we respond. And we pray that you come. And if, if you have any questions or you want to pray with one of us, we'll do that. You don't have to come forward to do that, but we would love to receive you if you would like. Maybe you need prayer about anything in general. We would love to pray for you about that. Or you want to join the church, you come to do that at this time. But there is too much at stake for us not to run and to run our race well and to run it because we keep our eyes fixed on the one who has run it perfectly and we run it for him. Let's run well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day and we thank you for this time. God, we thank you that you have been the ultimate example of faith in our lives, that you have been the the motivation that we need to run our race well. Forgive us when we have failed to do that. Forgive me because too much is at stake and you're worthy of my life and running well. So help us, Holy Spirit, to fix our eyes and our attention and our focus upon you for your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name.